The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome back to another edition of Winning Ponies. Glad you're tuning in. If you like the show, tell your friends. We're on podcasts. As a matter of fact, the entire history of the show is on podcasts. You can just kind of scroll the guest list and see if there's somebody you'd like to learn a little bit about or see how well we did on our handicapping in the past. Uh, just go to winningponies.com. You'll see my fat little friendly face there. and Click on it, and you'll find the guest list. Well, uh, we've got uh, a... First-time starter and a veteran on the show tonight. The first-time starter is Stacy Clark. I swear they should write a book about this woman. Uh, she was raised in Ontario, Canada, the daughter of a thoroughbred trainer, uh, Joan Clark, and owner Peter Clark. Uh, she started working at the racetrack over the summers, galloping in the mornings, working in media publicity in the afternoons. So uh, from there, she went on to become a jockey uh, from 90, uh, 93 to 96. She rode in Ontario, and she was nominated in 94 for the Sovereign Award as the Outstanding Apprentice in Canada. And uh, then she began uh, work with Woodbine Racetrack. Uh, she served in various capacities. Of course, she worked with Woodbine uh, when uh, they won the Sovereign Award uh, for productions like Wood. Woodbine Entertainment Live and Woodbine Racing Live. And uh, in more recent years, she's turned her focus to the development of thoroughbred retirement initiatives, and she now works with the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. So uh, we're going to find out uh, a lot more about her. And then in the show, one of my favorite all-time guests is uh, Rich Ng out in Las Vegas, of course, uh, Rich, a uh, very popular author and handicapper, uh, the uh, the author of Betting on Horse Races for Dummies. <laughs> he could take us all by the hand, and he also wrote the uh, Guide to U.S. Casinos and Racinos. Um, so we're going to bring Rich on, uh, you know, for uh, years uh he has, uh, you know, uh, been a writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I think we're going to find out about a change in his path as far as that's regarded. Then we're going to go up. We're going to take a look at uh, the Arlington Classic. I got a long shot I love in there. Uh, then at Woodbine, it's the Nassau and former Canadian Horse of the Year. Catch a glimpse. We'll hope to return to her form that has earned her over $1.8 million. Two starts this season so far. The best she could get was a second and a hundred grander, but she's out of the Marcassi barn. Florent Giroux rides a dangerous duo. Down at Churchill Downs, a race named after one of the finest fillies ever in the land, Kentucky Derby winning colors. Uh, the winning colors will be a six furlong dash. And if time allows, we're going to get over to Monmouth Park, the Red Bank. I think there's a standout there in all included. Hey, I want to thank all of you who uh, joined us last Saturday and uh, chimed in on our Preakness contest. It turned out to be a, a big success. So we've we've had a great time with both the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby contest. I'm sure uh, in two weeks I'll have upcoming news about the, uh, the Belmont contest. I'm sure that we'll have since uh, everybody participated so well in these. Well, again, we're going to have a race from uh, Churchill we're going to look at. And if you 
pull down your easy win forms on winning ponies. You got the May 21st edition, a $1 Super 5 key, paid $4,235. And uh, just uh, up the road uh, from Louisville, Indiana Grand, a few days before, a 50-cent pick three, paid $3,867. Of course, uh, Belmont Park uh, opening up. Always going to be good action there. And we scored a $1 super for $2,472. You can go up and check out all of our results on winningponies.com if you don't want to take my word for it. But, again, there's going to be a lot of good uh, racing. Uh, uh, there's going to be several stakes on Saturday at, at Woodbine. Uh uh, Gulfstream. Uh, Lone Star is going to have their Texas Stallion Series. So a lot of people like those because you get to compare horses uh, that have been uh, uh, competing against each other. And Too Much Bling. I think he'll have quite a few entrants in there. He's been a standout sire in Texas. Too bad we didn't get back here. He's a Buckeye bred. So, again, a lot of good racing. Now, that those races I mentioned are, are, are Saturday. Uh, but then there's also, uh, over the weekend, it's Memorial Day weekend, a salute to uh, our, our troops and uh, fond memories of a gentleman like my father uh, who fought in, in, in World War II. Uh, some great races uh, all over the place. Uh, Belmont's got a slew of stakes on Memorial Day, so you're going to want to check that out. Um, Let's move on to some uh, recent breaking news. Of course, I don't know where you were at Saturday, but uh, I wasn't in Baltimore, but uh, my eyes were glued uh, to the television screen uh, watching the Preakness Stakes, and it was so nice to see Classic Empire reemerge, shall we say. You know, every now and then you can just put a line through a race. I guess you can put a line through his Kentucky Derby there where he got knocked around out of the gate, got hit in the eye with something, still ran a game fourth. Uh, he pretty much stalked the, the favorite, always dreaming the whole way, just hounded him all the way around, and always dreaming faded to eighth. It looked like Classic Empire was going to get a classic, and I uh, pulled away by three lengths, but Chad Brown trained cloud computing, exploded in the lane, got up by a head, paid $28.80. Senior investment, Kenny McPeak's trainee that won the Lexington Stakes, uh, rallied for the third spot. Of course, we're going to see some of these uh, horses uh, rematching in the Belmont Stakes. I'll get to that. So anyhow, that was uh, the big news of the week, of course, was the Preakness Stakes. We'll look at some of the other uh, races that we uh, handicapped last week at the end of this segment. Let's take a look at some more news. Uh, it looks like the uh, other horse from across the pond, uh, Japanese invader Epicarius, is likely to run in uh, the uh, Belmont Stakes. Obviously, there won't be a Triple Crown winner, but a lot of horses coming out of the, the woodwork. And this horse has always been highly regarded to those that watch uh, the European uh, racing. And uh, Chad Brown's going to wait till the end of the week to decide on cloud computing whether or not he's going to come back uh, in, into the Belmont. And uh, Mark Cassie said the Preakness was a little bit easier on Classic Empire than we thought. So uh, I think for sure we're going to see him in there. So uh, a quick look at the potential contenders. A lot can happen between now and two weeks in the Belmont. We've got Classic Empire. This is alphabetical. Uh, Conquest Mo Money, Epicarius, Gormley. I rap, J-Boy's Echo, looking at Lee, who looks like he'll like the extra ground. Meantime, 
second in the Peter Pan, Multiplier, Patch, Senior Investment, Kenny McPeak. He won the Belmont with long shot Sarava, if you recall, years ago. Uh, Taprit and Twisted Tom. So it uh, looks like also uh, Graham Motions, he's leaving the door open uh, to the Belmont for Irish Warcry. Uh, he's been pointing out that Irish Warcry beat cloud computing by seven links in the Grade 2 Wood Memorial at Aqueduct. And he also defeated Preakness runner-up Classic Empire in the Holy Bull at Gulfstream in February. So uh, it gave him a little more uh, to think about. So Graham Motion uh, thinking about uh, bringing Irish War Cry in for the Belmont. It's uh, always an interesting race against a uh, mile and a half. And uh, of course, the major summer target motion says for War Cry is the $1 million Haskell at Monmouth Park. So uh, we'll see if. Uh, Things go well, and if we see him in the Belmont, Javier Castellano, Jockey of the Week. It was a rare unanimous vote for Jockey Talk 360, but he got Jockey of the Week. Of course, uh, he was uh, coming on cloud computing, uh, and he also uh, hooked up on several other stakes winners. He, he began with a second-place finish on Carumba in the DuPont Distaff at Pimlico, Uh then the uh, the Pimlico Special with the standout horse, Shaman Ghost. He's uh, glad to get that mount back for James Jerkins. And uh, he had quite the week, uh, led all North American jockeys by total earnings with $1.4 million. Now, we're pretty sure we're going to see Classic Empire in, in the Belmont Stakes, but now we know where we're going to see him after he is done racing and that will be to Coolmore. he's going to Coolmore upon his retirement um bloodstock agent justin cassie uh said the breeding rights to the eclipse of champion uh have been acquired by Coolmore stud of course he's the brother of trainer mark cassie and he brokered the deal on behalf of owner john oxley so uh Ashford Stud, he'll be standing there alongside fellow Eclipse Award-winning juveniles, American Pharaoh, Uncle Mo, and Shanghai Bobby. Wow, what a murderer's row that they have. They they said that uh, actually negotiations had started back uh, in the latter part of, of 2016. So um, these, uh, you know, from a the same uh, sire line um, as. Uh, American Pharaoh, so uh, I think there'll be a few people knocking on his door. Coolmore has now acquired the breeding rights, think about this, to six of the last eight juvenile male champions. So Classic Empire's going there, and it does look like he got out of the track this morning at at Churchill. He's going to go into a little more serious training, they say, uh, for the Belmont uh, Stakes tomorrow. And... uh, Cassie's just not sure when he's going to come because he's going to have several horses on the undercard on on Belmont Day. So uh, we know that he's uh, going to be pointing to the race from Churchill Downs. Okay, how about Lady Eli? What a great story she's been over the years, and it looks like she's coming back in the gamely stakes. So keep an eye out for Lady Eli. Everybody rooting for her. Boy, she had a tough return after that long uh, bout with her laminitis and just – 
has a streak of near misses. And so she's uh, going to come back in the gamely. Uh, again, that that is going to be run here. I believe that race is on Saturday. Yes, it is. So keep an eye out for Lady Eli if you're at a track or an OTB or if you're lucky enough to be out west. And how about uh, Songbird, the champion? She's coming back in the Ogden Phipps. Now, that won't be run until Belmont Park on June 10th. But obviously, Jerry Hollendorfer, very glad uh, to see uh, uh, her return and that she's come back good enough that they're actually, you know, uh, picking out races. Um, uh, there was a $1.5 million purchase at the Fazig Tip at Mid-Atlantic. I guess uh, John Oxley and uh, Mark Cassie feel that Classic Empires paid their way, that they can buy $1.5 million horses now again, uh, a, uh, a, a curl in foal. And uh, speaking of foals, Leslie's Lady is in foal to American Pharaoh. And if you're scratching your head saying, Leslie's Lady, where do I know that name? She's the dam of multiple champion beholder. Okay, I gave you the Preakness results earlier in this section of the show. Uh, of course, the uh, uh, the Baltimore Oaks or the Black-Eyed Susan was taken by the lightly race actress, a daughter, a taffet, trained by James Service. 13 to 1, she had a steady near the lane, took the lead at the eighth pole, and got up by a head over Lights of Medina, who was a 5 to 1 uh, pick. And in the third spot was Corporate Queen, favorite Mona, uh, finished fifth. And then the Pimlico Special oh, was a rare race. Again, we mentioned earlier, Shaman Ghost, heavy, heavy favorite. Javier Castellano for the James Jerkin trainee, coming out of a win of the Santa Anita Handicap, uh, won that race. Finishing second was Dolphus, who was the second favorite. And in the third spot, Conquest Windy City form held up in that race. And we closed out our handicapping portion of the show last week with the Longines Dixie uh, race on Preakness Day. The winner was the favorite, World Approval, trained by who else? Mark Cassie. Julian Le Peru was in the saddle for the win over projected and black type. Okay, that's a look at national news. Look at last week's racing headlines. And we come back, we're going to be talking to a very interesting person in the racing, Stacy Clark. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, at the top of the show, I told you a little bit about Stacy Clark. I'll uh, reiterate it that she was raised in Ontario, Canada. The daughter of thoroughbred trainer Joan Clark and owner Peter Clark grew up around thoroughbred racing, uh, started working at the track. She was galloping, working in uh, media and PR departments. Uh, after uh, graduating with combined honors and media communications, uh, she went to work in the uh, Toronto, Ontario film and television industry. Again, uh, the saddle lured her back from 93 to 96. She rode as a jockey in Ontario and was nominated for the 1994 Sovereign Award as Outstanding Apprentice. She also has uh, she used her media degree uh, to work at Woodbine uh, Racetrack. She was associate producer and uh, racing television commentator and uh, worked on the Sovereign Award-winning productions Woodbine Entertainment Live and Woodbine Racing Live. Uh, I was recently introduced to her uh, through a friend, uh, and right now her new role is with the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Let's face it, folks, if it wasn't for uh, outstanding programs like Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, we'd have to be scratching our heads where some of these great horses we watch race go every year upon retirement. Stacy, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hi, thanks very much, John. Is, is there a book on your life? It sounds pretty interesting. Oh, I know. You're just making me sound old. I'm not any different than anybody at the racetrack, you know, doer of all, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've uh-huh. done a lot. Again, take us back to your early years. I love to hear how people developed in the sport. Um, no, I was just a kid left at the track. My mom trained horses. My parents both loved horse racing and, um, I just, you know, made a lot of good friends and it was, uh, it was great to be around these great animals and it was great to be around a lot of good people and Woodbine is, was just a wonderful place to grow up. Um, I had a lot of good friends there and a lot of good opportunities and, uh, yeah, it was was pretty awesome. Yeah. So did you start galloping for uh, your mother who was a trainer? Well, that never works out when you start working for your mom, but uh, no, I did start galloping out. I started galloping for, this is long ago, for a farm named Kinghaven, which was up in King City, Ontario, my hometown. Yeah, so that was down the road. I could ride my bike there. Um, So, yeah, I started at Kinghaven galloping horses and then, uh, you know, worked a few different trainers, Roger Atfield, Mac Benson. Um, Yeah, just kind of never left. It was a great way to make money, to pay for school, and... um, you know, carry two jobs and have a great time, and I loved it. Yeah, it's great. Well, I, as I stated, you were able to uh, use not only your skills uh, as a horsewoman and eventually become uh, one of the top young jockeys in Canada, but you were able to use the skills that you learned in school to eventually become involved in uh, the media and television production. Well, that was probably a credit to my dad. Um, he was the one that suggested I keep going to school because you can't be a rider forever. So that was good wisdom. Um, you know, it, it would be hard to try and find a job as a girl after being a jockey. It's definitely a hard hard thing to do. And, uh, yeah, so it happened to be something I like. It's creative. I like it. It's um, I like to communicate. I like to tell people stories. And, um, you know, I like to help produce stories. So aftercare is one of those stories that I like to work on and have some good friends that help me tell those stories, too, also through media and through the program that the industry has initiated with the Thurbert Aftercare Alliance. 
Well, it, it sounds like you, you're, you're a natural for your position as if you were brought, born uh, to do it. Now, I think your, your, your early steps uh, may have started back in 2004 as you were the Thoroughbred Retirement Program Manager at Adina Springs. Well, just before that, I actually got involved with a new initiative at Woodbine, which was called Long Run. It was started by Vicky Papas, and it was uh, it, that that program's probably 25 years old now. Um, and I was on their initial board. So aftercare was always something um, I had done myself a little bit, and been a part of ingrained in, in my own upbringing, looking after horses, finding them homes. Um, and then, yeah, I, Mr. Stronic gave me the opportunity to help the Stronic family find. Homes for their horses with Nikki and um, who's his granddaughter and the family and we uh, we had a great stint there and it's still going I mean they still have that program it's still strong Nikki's still involved um, Maria Turner the rest of the farm so yeah it's a, it's a good thing. Well um, now um, I know I tried to get you on the program last week but uh, you had a few things uh, on your plate uh, th- that I see our friend uh, Danielle. Uh, the forwarded me uh, some of the things that happened on Preakness week. Uh, you, you were you were quite the, the the busy woman, and it looks like you made some great strides in uh, in making some money for the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Yeah, I think you know it was a it was a good week, not just at the Preakness. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Pan American Conference that went on in Washington. Um, the Godolphin Group started a few years ago. A, um, uh, a thing on aftercare, and they started a uh, sort of a symposium of bringing people from all over the globe together to talk about aftercare. And that has really grown, and that is a group called IFAR. And IFAR w- was part of the Pan American Conference in Washington. So that was a really great way to start the week, and that's really how we got so busy early in the week. The uh, IFAR Conference, the Pan American Conference, we had a lot of uh, things going on with aftercare, meeting with a lot of people all over the world, France, Japan, England, Ireland. It was great. It was a really good thing. And interchanging stories and talking about best practices and what works in Australia, what programs they have there, and what then we need to do in other places. So from the beginning of the week, uh, before we even got to the Preakness, um, it was a real a real um, energy starter to get going and think, you know, we as a globe, we want to work on that. And Pan American Conference, it was sponsored in part by our friends from South America, the Latin American Racing Channel, LARC, and they've been big supporters of the TAA. So it was great to be there for the Pan American Conference and be with them uh, for the beginning of the week and then go and celebrate the Preakness Week with uh, the fellows that sponsored one of the races. And as you mentioned, we had a great uh, weekend. Lots of things happen uh, for us on Preakness Week. It's probably our our biggest um, race day event. It has been for the last three or four years in which we get a lot of support and a lot of, you know, generosity from people. And so what ended up happening... We had uh, Black Eyed Susan Day, which the Stronic Group um, has made us one of the charities of the two days. There's us and Susan G. Komen. And then we also had another group. We also had um, part of their charity day when they have uh, things going on in the tent. They have lotteries. They have um, different sort of adventure things you can get involved with. They have dipping of the bourbon glasses, all these different fundraisers and things. And then we had uh, a race on Black Eyed Susan Day named in honor of the TAA um, and all pro sports uh, sponsored that. And then we also had a race on Preakness Day, which was sponsored by Latin American Racing Channel. So that was a big deal, and that was uh, a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I did uh, get to see a lot of photos. I saw that you got to jump into some of the photo ops and the winner's circle opportunities. And I think I saw a few other people I know in uh, in some of those uh, photos there. Now, uh, going rewinding back to your, your meeting in D.C., what was maybe the biggest takeaway you got out of it? Well, I think the, the best thing that's happening is the conversations are coming out. Um, you know, most of us in the sport love horses and we love horse racing. It's what we've wanted to be around our whole lives. And we really didn't give a lot of thought, let's be honest, to aftercare or what happened. We entrusted that people that owned horses would look after them. And that's not where we were. And when we come to realize that, I think as an industry, probably in better than any equine sport, we've taken a look at our our horses and what they're doing after they're finished doing the sport for us. So going to Washington and seeing everyone talk about it and having that, you know, perception that there is something being done. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Are we where we want to be yesterday? No, we definitely, I'd like to see things happen faster, but I really think with the, um, the real initiative, the industry to start the Red Aftercare Alliance and come up with a solid plan um, that represents the industry that is part of it, that makes it an integral part of doing our business, that we are overseeing the aftercare of the horses to some degree, at least for the first landing out of racing. Um, that's a positive thing. I, you know, I, I definitely think we have to have some harder conversations. Um, it was great to have Wayne Purcell from HSUS there and talk about the immediate need and perception of our ent- entertainment. This is an issue. We know this. We can look around at other sports with animals and say, and other entertainment with animals and say, we don't want to be that way. And it's different. I mean, we, you know, if you're a horse at the racetrack, for the most part, you're being taken care of really well. How, what comes up after that, we need to be really sure that we're making sure that that works out for the horses at the end of their racing career. Well, I, I do want to tell our listeners here again, uh, we're talking with Stacy Clark uh, from uh, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance that uh, just like you do everything now, you just go online and, and, and Google them and you'll really kind of get a, a good feel uh, for what it is they actually do uh, that, that benefits these great uh, uh, horses that we, that we uh, love so much. Uh, I'm looking down here. I haven't seen the whole video, but I see you got my friend uh, John Phillips from uh, Darby Dan Farm there. He, he's one of the classiest yeah, guys I ever met. Yeah, John's great. And John's our president now. We have a rotation of presidents every couple of years. And John is, uh, you know, he's not a wallflower. He wants to make things happen. He likes to see us progressing as we grow. Um, the thing, the fundamental thing that makes the TAA different from any other aftercare group, and this is a really important thing, is that the Thurbert Aftercare Alliance was set up to accredit organizations so there are 64 organizations in North America that, over, that are overseen by an application and a process of inspections by the TAA. And when they get through that process, those organizations, they essentially are getting a stamp of approval that says, we've done your due diligence, we like how you operate, let's try and get you some funding. And that seal of approval, the accreditation and aspects, gets more donations. So, for example, the ASPCA gives out racing grants. And now the ASPCA will actually prefer organizations that have the TAA accreditation. So this is really sort of, you know, we're not just throwing the horses out there and saying, oh, go figure it out. For the organizations that we have, we're trying to make sure that we as an industry can stand behind what we want for our horses' future. 
Well, I, again, you know, uh, for our uh, our listeners out there, you can just go to the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Google it, put it in your favorites, and you, you can, uh, at no charge... Make a donation. <laughs> well, of course, you can't always make yeah, a donation. Yeah. But you can mm-hmm. sign up You can sign up for the newsletter, you know, right yeah. there online, and you can find out exactly what they're doing. And uh, obviously, so many of these thoroughbreds, while they might not be fast as lightning anymore, they've still got skills, and, uh, you know, they can they can turn into, uh, you know, the hunter-jumper variety. They can turn into trail horses. Uh, they can become uh, some kid's best friend and uh but it's organizations uh like you and the organizations you oversee that get the job done yeah and it's not just the organizations that turn them into trail riding horses or sport horses the horses actually do a lot of things from you know we have a lot of therapy horses with uh children that have autism we have horses that are working in the prison so i mean there's a lot of other alternatives and these horses really affect people's lives and make change all for the rest of their lives well, Stacy Clark, it is uh, tremendous work that you you do. Uh, you have a, a very interesting and, and varied background. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in, in person and uh, just keep doing what you're doing because you are just a, a, a fantastic part of, of the sport of thoroughbred racing. Well, thanks for having me on and thanks for letting us tell the TA team story. I mean, this is an important part of what we all do. Okay. Well, we hope that we help spread the word. We hope we got some people driven over uh, to your website to see some of the things you do and uh, hopefully uh, reach in those jeans and pull out some greens because it's a great cause. <laughs> Thanks, John. All right. That was Stacy Clark uh, from uh, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. And we come back, we're going to be coming with the modern-day version of Eddie Felton, and that's my friend, You know him as Rich Ng from Las Vegas. We're going to find out what's going on in his life. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, a guy that's been with me quite a bit uh, here on Winning Ponies, uh, Rich Ng. Uh, he's a, a uh, author, he's a writer, a journalist, um, and a, a darn good handicapper and a great guy to boot. Of course, uh, he's been working with uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, and Rich, you kind of hit me over the head with some news I got this week. Yeah, when you contacted me, uh, I wasn't sure who was aware of, of what had happened to me at the RJ, uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal. But you know, we've been friends for a long, long time, and uh, I always feel comfortable talking with you, John, under any circumstance. But uh, I, I let you know that the, the newspaper actually had contacted me last week, the sports editor, and told me that uh, they are going to end their horse racing coverage. And I'd been with the newspaper. This is my twentieth year with the Las Vegas Review Journal. So there's not going to be a 21st, but uh, my last column is going to be on June 9th, the Friday right before the Belmont Stakes, and then uh, I'm going to ride off into the sunset, at least uh, with this newspaper. You, you know, it, it just it, it amazes me, Rich. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name three cities where I think betting and horses are paramount, and that is obviously Las Vegas, Number two would be Louisville, and number three would be Lexington. And with your departure, all three papers have parted with their top turf riders. In Lexington, it was Alicia Wentz-Hughes, of course, is now uh, one of the editors and top writers uh, for uh, the, the Blood Horse. And, uh, of course, a person you know well uh, from the shadows of the twin spires in Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, Jenny Jenny Reese. Of course, uh, Jenny, the, the, the day people found out she wasn't working for the uh, Courier-Journal anymore, um, the job offers were, were coming out of the, the wall at her. And now she, I think she works about three or four jobs. Now, Jenny's found it totally reinvigorating. She's like, man, I almost wish I had done this a couple years ago. And I got a feeling uh-huh. this is probably going to open some doors for you. Well, I, I should give Jenny a call because I could use reinvigorating. But you know, when when she was you know left the uh, uh, Louisville Journal, to me it was kind of like seeing like someone had the audacity to lay off Red Smith or Jim Murray. You know, someone of that ilk who was at the very top of the food chain, one of the best you know horse racing riders that uh, that I've ever known. And I was just really amazed to to to, to see that she wasn't at the paper anymore. 
And, um, you know, the thing about Las Vegas, uh, when I posted on social media that uh, I was no longer going to be with the paper after June 9th, I mean, I had people posting stuff, John, saying that uh, they cannot believe that Las Vegas, which is considered the gambling capital of the world and has race books in every casino here in Las Vegas, uh, down in Laughlin, up in Reno, Tahoe, you know, we our attendance probably on a daily basis, John, is probably greater than than any, uh, maybe even any state in the country. We have more people participating in horse racing, and the sports editor deemed it uh, not necessary to cover horse racing anymore. So I, I've got a lot of uh, readers and followers that are just absolutely flabbergasted over the over the decision. Well, somebody with your talent is going to going to land uh, on his feet, and obviously, uh, the, the book that you authored, uh, "Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies," is is a book that I, I think is timeless. It's never. I mean, obviously, there's things that come into the sport that maybe you want to tweak and update. That there's new tools to use, but it's something that I think this industry can always use. Because how many times do we all sit around tables at these different thoroughbred conferences and say? Well, how do we teach the younger generation about our sport and how much fun it is and how if they take their time and learn, they can make money at this? Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for your listeners who may not be familiar with the book, you know, Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies, but uh, I wrote this, uh, I think it's probably been a good 12 or 13 years ago. But, um, you know, the story about how that came about was the, the dummies people, their early uh, publications is based out of Indianapolis, Indiana, they put out 80 new titles every year on different subjects. And at the time, it was actually like R.D. Jones was uh, uh, the, the hit of the, the bell of the ball, uh, you know, during his Kentucky Derby run. And, um, so they decided that betting on horse racing was a was a upward-trending topic. So, uh, I was lucky enough to be selected to, to write the book. It's been out for a while, but, you know, as I sent you an email, I, I still feel that it's uh, a grossly underutilized a book. It's written like a textbook because that's how the, the cookie-cutter approach of uh, Wiley is, So, it, which makes it understandable for even the most rudimentary level of understanding. And um, one of the people, one of the organizations that has reached out for me, John, uh, was uh, America's Best Racing. And, you know, they've done a very nice job. I, I follow them. I subscribe to their uh, newsletters, and I follow what they do on social media. As soon as they heard that I was available, uh, they reached out to me and and asked if I'd like to maybe uh, capitalize. Well, they wanted to capitalize on the book because of its you know notoriety and popularity. But they they thought that I was someone who could really tap into the market to try to help educate newcomers and novices. And I got this book that if people pick it up and regular basis, one by one. I, no problem with that putting in the, the, the elbow grease, John. All right. Well, listen, you're cutting out on me just a little bit, so put your tinfoil hat back on and stand by the window. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I really think an organization like that, Rich, they ought to put Rich Ng on tour because I, I, I tune into their social media and I watch them online and I get their newsletter. And, um, you know, it seems like they're always moving from one major event to another major event. And I think you should just become a part of of the team and for all of these neophytes are at the tracks uh, you're not only the author but i know you're a great speaker you know you could get up and present uh 
yourself and say, hey, folks, look, you know, you're here. I know you want to have fun. You know, drinking and being with your friends is is a big part of the event. Uh, you can tell from that just from the photos and videos they do on that site. But uh, try this because not only could you have fun doing that, but you'll you'll have a lot more fun when you cash a big exact or a trifecta bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I cut out when I was talking about the fact that the the book, uh, the style of the book, because of the dummy's brand, is it's like a textbook. And so, you know, if someone has absolutely no knowledge of horse racing, if they pick this book up and and read it from cover to cover, then you know they'll have a pretty good uh, foundation for understanding the sport. Obviously, the education uh, for even guys like us, John, we learn something new every day, and we've been in the business for decades. But it, it's really a, a great sport. It really it, it takes brain power. The harder you work, the luckier you get in our business. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be thrilled to actually work harder and try to get more people uh, to love the game like we do. I think it would be great. And I, I highly recommend, I hope they're listening to the show, that, that they that they. they put a riching on tour with uh, betting on horse racing for dummies. <laughs> I know um, I, I've had a great opportunity and chance. I I was going to say three young sons. They're not young anymore. But my my one son, Jake, he calls me because I got more calls on Derby Day than I do on Father's Day, Rich. And because I know I'm down at Churchill and I can get a bet in for him. But uh, he he had uh, he had ten to win on Always Dreaming and ten to place on Looking at Lee. And I'm thinking maybe I did keep teach this kid something. Too bad I didn't listen to him. <laughs> he went away with almost three hundred bucks. <laughs> Uh, and if you put one and one together, you got a nice exacto there, uh, my friend. <laughs> oh, he's kicking himself. He's kicking himself for not doing that. But he was trying to play conservative, and he knew, you know, he's not going to have me making, you know, uh, $80 worth of bets for him, you know, uh, because I've got two other sons that are going to be calling in wanting at least, you know, $50 worth of bets. But uh, anyhow, I digress. Well, uh, we got four minutes to break. Maybe we could take a look at one of the the, the four races I uh, mm-hmm. uh, suggested we look at. Why don't you pick one and we'll roll with it? Yeah, well, let's take the race at Monmouth. Uh, it was uh, a real interesting race. It's called the Red Bank, grade three, mile on the grass. And uh, they've got a nice overflow field. Uh, was it like 13, uh, 14, 13 horses in here? And uh, uh, they're coming. They're all shapes and sizes, John. But the, I think a horse that kind of sticks out to me from my first go through of the handicapping. Uh, I'm a huge Graham Motion fan, and uh, you, you probably know him pretty well. And he's one of the nicest guys in racing, yes. and you always uh, root for Graham Motion horses. But he's got the number four horse, and you're at nine to two odds. Can't help believing uh, it's listed with Antonio Gallardo up, and uh, this horse is. Uh, I, I think the only reason this horse is nine to two is because. The last time this horse ran, got beat by almost 20 lengths. But I think it's, it was such a bad effort that I think he could draw a length, which is a handicapping term for a, just a inexplicably bad race. Uh, the resume behind that is pretty strong, and I think this offers a lot of value at 9-2. to two. Uh, the, the second horse I liked in the race was uh, the morning line favorite, the two all-included. Nine to five with Eddie Castro up. Uh, Todd Fletcher. Uh, this horse ran uh, a cu- some nice races at Goldstone Park. Uh, won the Appleton Grade Three, so uh, needs no introduction there, and has some good buyer speed figures to boot. And uh, as far as a third choice for me, uh, I went for the five Rose Breyer, uh, Matthew Hartman, the trainer. Uh, Jane Sabelli was listed before, but Paco Lopez, who's one of the kings of Monmouth, 
problem. But uh, Paco wins a ton of races uh, on the Jersey Shore, so he picks up the mound on the Rose Breyer, John. Okay, well, I, I just have a real hard time getting away from all included. You can call me the chalk meister. That's just fine. Uh, has not never raced on the Mammoth Turf. Talked to a friend today, maybe, uh, you know, Stu Kirschenbaum that for years was involved in oh, yeah. uh, t- mm-hmm. television video. And Stu lives in the in the uh, area. And he said, I said, how you doing? He says, well, I'm just waiting to dry out. He says, it's been raining here for days. So I don't know if the course is going to be yielding or if it potentially could be moved to the main track, but that's not the way I'm going to handicap it. Um, but you know what I find interesting about All Included? I mean, uh, not only did it come out after, uh, you know, a tightener and an optional claimer and uh, – get second in the Gulfstream Park turf handicap after being bothered. I thought the last race was interesting. It dropped down, shall we say, to a grade three. And uh, if you look at the running line, it says taken back, mild driving. I wonder if that was just some kind of like tune-up for this race. Because, you know, if you're a fan of the buyer figures in the racing form, this is the one horse that's got a slew of them. And, uh, you know, so I, I think all included uh, would be on my top. A horse that I'm not going to dismiss, I'm going to have to, if I'm playing, you know, tries or whatever, is this number three synchrony. Uh, interesting enough for this grass race, it's only tried the turf twice. And both times it like got a Big wake-up call, turning for home, and uh, won the first time out, optional claimer, and then came back in a, in a stake and only got beat a half length. I think you're going to get better than 5-1 to one, uh, on this horse, and uh, I really think you could be part of the ticket. Of course, I do respect uh, your your other plays, uh, Can't Help Believing and Rose Breyer. I'm with Rich Eng, and we're just uh, dissecting the grade three Red Bank at Monmouth Park. It's a one-mile turf race that will be contested on Saturday. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got three more races we're going to try to fit into the second segment. So, again, you're listening to Rich Eng. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Take a brief break. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and again, uh, I've got uh, Rich Ng with me, uh, still with the Las Vegas Review Journal for now. Uh, don't forget, folks, uh, if you want to check in on you know some of his uh, handicapping segments, um, I believe you can still go to www.racedaylasvegas.com, spelt just like it sounds. And uh, you'll be able to get up there, and you can sign up for free, and then uh, take a look at the, at the site and see if there's something you like up there. A- am I right, Rich? Is that uh, still alive and well? www.racedaylasvegas.com. Yeah, I was I was still doing a lot of work there, and uh, I would suggest people sign up because it's free. It's the best price in town, and it's a good way to stay in touch with me. And I do send out a lot of email blasts, so people can respond to that and, and stay in touch. All right. Well, you know, I just came out of a race where I probably gave you a a, a solid four dollar winner with all included. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm going to move on to a race that I'm surprised that it, it, it's a Grade Three, and it, it's in Chicago. It's it's called the Arlington mm-hmm. Classic. But I, you know, I'm a big history buff, and I love going back. And the, the second running uh, in 1930 was won by Gallant Fox, and you begin to look at some of the horses that ran in this Arlington Classic, Rich, and uh, it's unbelievable. A native dancer uh, won this race. Uh, Nashua won this race. Rydan, Tom Rolfe, Dr. Fager. How about exclusive native? Ack, Ack. And then we move into more modern times, at least after we were born. Uh, Ali Dar won this race. Uh, there's a horse in here I know you are familiar with, At the Threshold. I think you were at... Uh, uh, Florence, Kentucky at the time when that horse won, uh, lost code. Uh, you know, there have been some really, you know, top horses that have won this race. And for whatever reason, uh, it's, it's, it's now a grade three, but boy, th- just name dropping those horses, l- let you know that this horse is a, this race has a great history. Yeah. You know, it, it's really indicative of the history of Chicago racing. It, it, it's long been one of the strongest circuits in the country. And, uh, Marge Everett, for example, she, she owned uh, uh, racetracks uh, in uh, the Chicago area before she moved out to uh, uh, California in Hollywood Park. But uh, the Chicago racing's had a tremendous, tremendous history. It really has. And, and I'm going to go first here, Rich, because for once, I'm not going to give you the chalk. Okay. <laughs> it's an interesting race. There's a lot of different angles here. Several horses coming out of your old stomping grounds, uh, Turfway Park. But there's a horse in here making its fourth lifetime start that's a maiden that I absolutely love. And it's called, you got to be careful when you pronounce this name, Sackinet. I believe that it's a golf course uh, in New Hampshire. Um, anyhow, it's, it's a son of Scat Daddy. And I've been there for its last two races, okay, at Keeneland. And both times it got away bad and made huge runs while it had to go very wide um, and finished third. Last time it was only beat a half length. But I'm telling you what, it came out of the one hole in a 12-horse race. And the trouble line doesn't say anything. It just says rally wide. Well, let me tell you, if I'm the track man there, I'm saying – 
stumbled at the start because it was 10th at the half mile and only got beat a half length. Um, and th- this is a horse that I've been watching. I've been waiting to run. People are going to see that it's a maiden, and they're going to say, the heck with this. Mike Maker's got, you know, uh, you know, uh, three horses in the race. One of them is going to jump up and win. But I'm telling you what, whatever you do, keep sacking it on your ticket. Now, while I said that, uh, of course, a guy I got to know over the years from, from racing at, at Turfway, uh, Dr. Kendall Hansen, as fast and accurate, who won a race uh, you're very familiar with, uh, the spiral stakes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that was on uh, you know, poly track, you know, as you know, many people feel that that transforms very well to turf. And this horse is already a stakes winner at seven and a half furlongs on the turf. We know that the horse can win at a mile and an eighth. He could surprise people. Of course, Doc Hansen, you know, dream a little dream for me, you know, went to the Kentucky Derby, but ended up running, uh, you know, 17th in the race. Uh, Channing Hill, though, sticking with the horse, staying on it. And uh, again, you've got to give credit to... Uh, Anything Maker Maker puts in the race. Here's the way I see it setting up is I see the two outside horses, Giant Payday and Don't Split Tens. They seem to be the only horses with early foot in here. Also, I want to let you know that Sackinet, after those poor starts, is uh, Tony Granitz is adding blinkers. I see the outside horses kind of doing doing the deed on the front end and, and Sackinet coming on from behind. Now, I know I threw you a big curve. Tell me why I'm wrong, and how you see the race setting up and who you like. No, I, I would never say uh, another handicapper is wrong. Because one, one thing I learned was that, is that don't say uh, a horse has no It's an opinion game, and the, the beauty of it is you can bet your opinion, and if you make money and the other guy doesn't, then uh, then you were right on the race shot. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, as far as the horses, I kind of liked. I mean, uh, Parler, uh, I made as my first choice, uh, it's probably a, a pretty strong field. This is a, a little lesser field in that, that race at Churchill Downs on a derby day. And I know uh, he ran in the spiral and uh, was far back behind uh, fast and accurate. But uh, this horse got bet. This horse was 4-1 to in the spiral and cast it on, uh, rode this horse to a turf win at uh, Tampa Bay Downs. So at 7-2, to two, it shows you the race is wide open. That's a pretty tepid favorite. Um, I gave uh, Cowboy Culture a pretty good shot. And, you know, when you were talking about Sackinet, uh, notice there's a common thread between Sackinet and Cowboy Culture. The regular rider is Floron Giroux of both, and uh, he's not here for either. But uh, Sean Bridgman picks up the mount from Brad Cox on uh, Cowboy Culture. And uh, this horse uh, coming out of the Transylvania, Keelan, that's always a quality event. Uh, it was a fast closing uh, uh, six. Only got beat three lanes, though. In that race, I think a couple of bombs I'm just going to put out there for people to consider. Um, one is uh, the number three horse, actually not that big a bomb. It's six to one, but the three gorgeous kitten. Uh, Mike Maker is always dangerous, and he's got these the kitten joys for uh, the Ramses, and uh, you, you know about them, John. <laughs> you know these oh, yeah. these kitten joys. They love the grass, and they seem to rally out of nowhere. And I would be all to see gorgeous kitten run a big one. Uh, in the Arlington Classic, and then uh, the other horses are pretty. Uh, that offers some value at five to one. It's a nine, a giant payday. This horse has been running some good races on the grass too. Has been kept company with some of these others. If you notice, the gorgeous fast and accurate in the last couple of lines. Lakers offer Ian Wilkes is one of the top trainers in the country. Okay. 
All right, Rich. Well, listen, um, I, I see we're running down. I'm about at the three minutes to post spot. So let's go with the grade two on Saturday. And uh, it's the Nassau, one mile on the turf in Canada. And I'm just wondering, is it redemption time for former Canadian Horse of the Year, Catch a Glimpse, a horse that has an amazing early turn of foot, a horse that has won one point. $8 million on the turf, has never been defeated at Woodbine, and is four for five at the one-mile distance. little bit of a head-scratcher, though. Uh, you know, ran kind of up the track in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare turf at the end of last season, came back in a hundred grander at Gulfstream, mile on the turf, ran second, but first start of the season, and Celestine came back, and I believe won another stake. But last race, the Jenny Wiley at um, Keeneland uh, led to the half mile and got beat four lengths. Uh, of course, Lady Eli was in that race. Uh, but um, it, it, I would just wonder, is catch the glimpse that the horse it was once? I mean, you got all the connections, and you wonder where Florent Giroux is. He feels good enough about this horse that he's going to Woodbine. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm a little concerned only because she has lost her last five starts, John, and I know they've been in top company, grade ones, left and right, uh, and, you know, so the company she's kept is is top shelf, but, you know, the fact that she's lost five in a row would concern me as a you know, trying to beat her with the one horse, Stormy Victoria, uh, shipping in for uh, Christophe Clement, Alan Garcia, formerly a New York writer, and spend a lot of time up in the Woodbine. But I, I think it's really those two. But the catch a glimpse is going to have to win a race to kind of get my confidence back, maybe get her confidence back, too. I know. I mean, she's a, a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf winner. Uh, she's just an amazing horse. I've watched many of her races in person and uh, have been in awe of her over, over the years. So you just you just love rooting for her, just like Classic Empire. You love to see a, a, a champion come back and, and be a good horse. Well, Rich, uh, looks like uh, Matt Widener, my producer, is telling me, John, it's about time that uh, you said good night. So, Rich, listen, I want to thank you all the time for all your appearances on Winning Ponies and they're not over that's for sure. I want you to keep me up to date on your comings and goings and I want you to be back on the show as soon as you can. Thanks John Yeah, this is not goodbye, this is until next time. <laughs> you got it brother. Alright, we've been talking with Rich Ng, a great author and handicapper and uh, I want to also thank Stacy Clark uh, from the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. It was great learning about her life and the efforts that, that they're putting forward and I want to uh, you know, thank you the listeners again. If you got a buddy that couldn't listen to the show and you enjoyed it, tell them they can catch it on podcast. And uh, I want to thank everybody that participated in the Preakness contest. And I'm sure that we will have a Belmont contest. Again, I want to thank uh, my producer, Matt Widener, for uh, keeping us in line and all of you listeners. Remember, folks, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. I'm John Engelhardt for Winning Ponies. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. And remember, if you drink like a fish, swim, don't drive. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.